Okay, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Hey guys, how you doing? I give a shit. I'm kind of really enjoying where we are now with this whole impeachment thing because uh, it those guys are really like, I feel like our side is, I feel like our side, justice could possibly be served. Okay, that's a possibility. That seems like a somewhat of a possibility now and I have, it's restoring my faith in humanity. So I'm in a good mood today, folks. How are you? Uh, anyway, um, I have this, uh, a really amazing guest here today, Callop Lindsay. He's, um, very famous. No, he's really well known. He's gonna, he's very, um, like a really humble guy. I mean, you know, I was really excited because I got to meet him at this really small art fair that I was in satellite art fair. And then I saw his name on the bill and I was like, I'm going to be in a fair with Caleb Lindsay. Whoa. And then I got to meet him and he was really nice. And he just like, was like, yeah, sure. I'll be on your radio show. So I got him right here. But before we get started, I've got to um, remind you about me bottle. Okay. You do you know about me bottle? You really need to know about me bottle. Um, they're they're one of our supporters. It's this amazing, it's beautiful, beautifully designed bottle. And what it does, it dis- disinfects water in a sixty second cycle, utilizing UVC LED technology. Don't ask don't ask me to like explain it all, but it has it's ninety nine percent effective against E. coli, which like is so bad. No one wants E. coli. Uh, so go to mebottle.com. Okay. I also want to give a shout out today to this really great uh, fashion. Okay. So I pick out some of the clothes for my husband, which are really like really great. I kind of like the sixties rock star look for him. Uh, he's tall. He's handsome. Yeah. He's everything eat your heart. No, he he's a great guy. No relationship is perfect. They're all really, they're really, really hard. They're really hard. So don't get any like, you know, idealistic idea that I'm like, my life is made because I'm married. It's not. But anyway, um, I just had this great experience with this British uh, company that uh, is not really that well known and they ship their shirts from London and um, I wanted to brag about them to you. So it's called Relco. You could, should look it up. Rockstar British shirts and they're like long sleeve, nice shirts, affordable, like affordable. He gets a lot of compliments every time. Okay, thanks. So like, um, so I'm going to tell you just a tiny bit about Caleb. And then we're going to get right to him. So here's the thing. Caleb, if you guys don't know, maybe you don't, I don't know how much of you know art and don't. If you know anything about art, you know who he is. Uh, here's some of his credentials. These are impressive, okay? He, and he's right here. He's right here. I'm looking right at him, man. <laughs> he, he, he's in the permanent collection of the Met, all right? He's in the permanent collection of the MoMA and the Whitney and the Studio Museum of Harlem. He's taught at Harvard, and uh, he's been a visiting artist at Tisch. So here's the thing about uh, uh, Caleb that I think is so interesting. Um, his work is amazing. He does these videos that he writes, uh, produces, directs. 
and performs in. They're sort of, um, they're funny, they're serious, they're very original. They're almost, he play. I don't even know. He, he, it, they're complicated to, for me to explain. Maybe I'll give him a shot at it. But um, anyway, he does this great work and he does visual art. He's having an opening. He's here tonight. He's having an opening tonight at a gallery uh, called uh, uh, the Gallery of Sean Horton Gallery. And it's at 958 Madison Avenue. Uh, but the thing is, he's had a really unusual, not a typical artist background. And um, so that's what we're going to talk about. But first of all, let me say hi. Hi, Caleb. Hi. <laughs> thank you for being here. It's thank really, you I'm really for inviting excited me. for having you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And uh, why don't you um, give us just a little rundown on how you would describe your work? And then we're going to play a song. Because he's also a great singer and songwriter. He's everything, guys. He's everything. Okay, go ahead. So how would I describe my work? Is Yeah. Well, uh, describe like your video work because it's too complicated mm-hmm. to describe what you're a singer and a performer. You, He's so many things. Do your own research and look at the Facebook page. But just describe the videos because I think that's probably we can focus on at least one aspect of all the things that you do. Okay. Um. So the videos are pretty much inspirations of me growing up watching soap operas with my grandmother and her mother, my great grandmother listened to the God in light when it was a radio soap opera in the 1930s, I think it mm-hmm. debuted. And so we were watch. we had no choice but to watch soap operas in the eighties. Cause it was in our house, it was one TV and it was just <laughs> network TV. And so while they would watch soap operas, they would, you know, tell stories about my great grandmother and, you know, her ne- her daughter-in-law, which is my great aunt, you know, watching the soap operas. And so by the time I got in junior high school, I was totally into the soap opera. In high school, I started making my own little soap operas. And then in college, I made, you know, documentaries and narratives. And by the time I got to graduate school, I decided to bring so many different elements into my thesis because part of the thesis was to research family history, pop culture, you know, all the things we were interested in that we want to put into our work. And so I started creating these art soap operas where I was doing all the voices, but that kind of came from me when I was in theater, not totally being able to eliminate my accent. And so I created characters that spoke in a southern dialect that was similar to how we speak in my in uh-huh. in my Florida hometown. Right. And so so I also wanted to, you know, talk about gender and sexuality and so I started doing all the voices of the characters and started casting people of different races and gender to lip sync to my voice. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's so, so crazy, guys. And so that's so that's so that's where we are now. Now in the beginning, like I, I didn't always do all the voices in every single video, but in like all my children, I played five or six characters, and it was because I wanted to be like Eddie Murphy and Martin and have my own mm-hmm. TV show. So my thesis was like, okay, well, if I had my own TV show, what would it be? What would it be? What would it look like? And so. I did all the voices on my characters, but the actors that 
I had in the videos, which was a friend, um, Britzel Vasquez, who was also a graduate student, and Derek Adams, who I had met at Skowhegan, was also in the role. But I didn't do their voices in that video. And then the follow-up in um, um, The Young and the Mess, which I created when I moved to New York, I didn't use the voices at all. I used, we all did our own voices. It is because I was dealing with gay marriage and that whole Bush wow. thing that I didn't know if the voices would be would be interpreted as if I was making fun well, of, you know, some political thing. And so then I didn't do it on those pieces, but then like right after that I went back to well, I'm going to say your head voices. is really, really crowded. There's a lot of people in there. There's like 30 people in there. It says here you've done 30 characters. Where anyway, is, it's, it's, up it's 32 now because I added two since. Okay, since, 32. Yeah. So, so, um, but it's really, really funny. And, you you know, the, the videos show, well, you know, they're perfectly or they're very well lip synced. Yeah. And like, actually, you know, what, actually, and your voice yeah. has so many different ranges. Like you really forget that you're. Your different Thank you. characters, Thank you, you know? Thank you. And actually, it's more than 32 because there's a couple of characters <laughs> okay. that aren't, like Labisha the Diva, um, she's not a part of the Queen Rose family. So it's, I would say it's, it's probably around 35 that I physically and vo- physically portrayed, but also voice characters that I'm not portraying. So it, it goes, is way more than that number, but I haven't counted. It's really crowded in here. It's yeah. really crowded. I can't get any. It's really crowded. Let's play this first song. Okay. So also, besides all this, um, Caleb is incredibly talented sing- singer. He writes his, his own work, his own songs. Um, and he learned how to sing, like he said, when he was growing up in church choir. So he brought with us, we have three songs to play of his today. And the first one we're going to play is called I Hope. And do you want to just tell us what that's about? Yes. So I Hope is from my 2014 album, Art Jobs and Lullabies, which was, it was supposed to be a follow-up visual album album to Romantic Loner, but I only ended up doing a, like five music videos. And then I did a lot of remixes. So I Hope is, talking about you sort of meet someone it could be like a crush or you may be dating or not that well you i guess it's like you meet someone you like them but then they haven't told you about their significant other and then you sort of find that out and then depending on how deeply you've Mm -hmm. got yeah yeah. yeah. and so it's about like you know falling for someone and then going through the whether it's gonna happen yeah yeah and then a devastation we've all been there we've all been there folks (laughs) pulling yourself together okay (laughs) i hope so too i hope we hope okay here we go all right now's the technology Whoops. Uh oh. Uh oh. I 
top of all that other talent you really should go look at the because you're just going to wind up thinking he's a singer and it's really like there's so many other you really got to look at the videos if you haven't you fucking idiots sorry i have to boss my audience around or they won't listen they won't do what i tell them you you get it so here's the thing about uh callop that folks that i want to learn so callop is from um a rural town Mm -hmm. in south in florida yeah called stucky in Florida, yep. and um, your mother, um, y- your mother was a schizophrenic, mm-hmm. and um, what your father was a farmer then? Yeah, a, a farmer. But you know, I looked, I looked up the meaning of it, and then because it was like a migrant worker, where he wasn't a migrant worker, but he would help. He would be like the crew leader taking the migrant workers to New Jersey uh, to pick apples. So I don't know if it was sharecropper or the, the proper. But I remember going on Wikipedia, like looking it up. Uh-huh. And so I don't think farmer is the only yeah, word far- to describe it. But he did do a lot of farming. I remember like when I would stay with him during the summers, waking up like five o'clock in the morning and going out into the fields. Mm-hmm. And he literally had to stop taking me because I would be like getting a bear purple, bell peppers <laughs> And throwing them across the field and like randomly, like trying to hit. You're such a troublemaker. That's just what we're learning. This is what I learned. This is what I learned in the pre-interview. So he's a real troublemaker. (laughs) You better not fuck it up here, Ben. (laughs) Don't fuck with the machinery, okay? I'm worried. I'm a little nervous. No, but the thing is, you know what's nice? We're Uh privileged. We are privileged that we don't exactly know exactly what the terms are. And I'm going to say that. That there's something, you know, but anyway, yeah, so, and, you know, he did always tell me, like, I remember him telling me that he actually, he said he wanted me to do like office work. He, cause he was like, he thought the field 
was just like hard, hard working. It, so he yeah. said he never saw me doing that. Yeah, he didn't want you to do that. Thing, so yeah. here's the thing, folks. What I want to find out from Caleb today, I want to get a sense of what his life was like growing up um, as a kid and how it affected his work because you're never going to meet anybody in the art world, world who, ha- who comes from a family where like, and he, he is really um, generous about, um, you know, his willingness to talk about his mom and the fact that he's from like, his father was a share. What? His father had something to do with agriculture. So you are never, ever, ever going to meet anybody in the art world like this. I promise you who's this successful. And so this is our inspiration right here. So can you kind of like just describe what your family unit was like or what your family was like growing up? So I, I, I was primarily raised by my grandmother up until high school. And then in high school, I was living, I you know, I'd, Starting with my aunt and uncle, um, my mother's sister, my grandmother's daughter. Um, primarily, I went there because in junior high school, I mean, I I did start going through these phases where I was acting out a lot. Mm-hmm. And so my mother, she suffered from mental illness, although it, it, it it's certain mental illnesses that do run in the family, but it was triggered by bad drugs. And so she took drugs as well. Yeah, so she was because she was like a homecoming queen, a a student, and everything. And so, so the situation happened at a party one night where it triggered that, and it was before I was born. Me and my sister, and she was married to your dad at that point. Um, no, she wasn't married to my Mm. my dad, and I, you know, and I, Mm. I pretty Mm. much think. My dad <laughs> was my mother's sugar daddy because uh, he was in his 50s and she was uh, in her 20s when oh, I came along. really? Yeah. And so they did wow. live together like for periodically. Uh-huh. Um, but, and your mom was probably a babe and really charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And so my father, cause, but my father started having kids like 19 or 21 because my older brother is 70. Get the fuck out. Yeah, um, because he was 30 when I was born. You're like late 30s, early 40s, something like that, right? I'm 42. Yeah. 42. And then, you know, but I have brothers that are also in their 60s. Wow. And then, yeah, so I'm the youngest born. Then my sister is four years younger than me, Mm -hmm. and she has the same father and mother as well. So so all I know is when I graduated from high school, I had to take remedial courses to actually, you know— they felt like I should take remedial courses before I entered the four-year program. And so I was 17. I wasn't turning 18 until July. And so when it came down to signing my college application, like I could, like my signature alone wasn't enough. And so I knew I had got a check from my father, was getting a check from my father, every, you know, mm-hmm. every month until I was mm-hmm. going to turn 18. And so it turns out my grandmother, she was my guardian, she couldn't sign the paperwork either. And then my aunt and uncle couldn't. And my mother was actually at this time, like locked away in a mental institution. Um, I think they had her in prison, but they felt like that was not the right place for her. And then they put Mm -hmm. her in a mental institution. So I didn't see my mother um, from like eighth grade until I, till I was in college because she was locked away. Oh my God. And so turns out my father, yeah, yeah. So it turns out my father was the only one who could sign the paperwork and take me to get my shots and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that him and my mother was still my, my still had, custody. they still had yeah. custody over Legal me, gardens. but 
No, my grandmother was my guardian. Well, legally, I guess, or whatever. They but, could. They were the ones who could sign them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah so they were the like legal. legal yeah, yeah, so they had like the legal rights. Yeah, the law. They yeah. were, had the law, right? Yeah. So, were, right. so, yeah. So it turns out they could have just came and got, they set it up where they could just come and get me anytime they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so I would go stay with my father on like weekends and during the summers. And the reason, and I was supposed to go live with him when I was, in high school. I mean, because he always told me, well, when you get in high school, you can come live with me and I'll get your car. And mm-hmm. then that would lead me into my adult life. But my father ended up having a stroke when I was in seventh grade and oh ended up God. paralyzed on one side. Oh, my God. And so then my mother got locked away. And so that trigger oh, kind of triggered wow. me acting out and being like emotional. Wow. And just in like seventh grade? Like yeah, yeah, 12? yeah. That's like yeah. such a... Yeah, uh, fragile age, or you know, yeah, nothing like age. yeah, nothing like thirteen. Because my mother would get into fights and like kind of brutal fights where, um, I yeah, like where, I mean, like it, I mean, I remember the experience as a child, like when she took off all her clothes and like ran, like through town you know i didn't see it but i just heard Mm -hmm. about it from everybody else Mm -hmm. so it was that typical schizophrenic Mm -hmm. person doing this sort of thing Mm -hmm. um i remember she got into like a bad fight she beat someone up and then they were in one of the people's houses in our hometown Mm -hmm. just doing drugs or whatever and then an argument broke out so it was basically a knife fight or whatever um wow can you imagine that guys this is yeah this is not our and so i remember i'll never forget i was asleep on my grandma you know in my grandma because i just like to sleep on the couch like that's that was your room no i had a room but like like, that's where yeah i slept i mean i did that sometimes in college too like Mm -hmm. i just slept on the couch and so i remember like i was asleep one night and then my i heard my mother come in stumbling like cussing blah 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 and so then I kind of like halfway opened my eyes and I was like, what? So she was basically bleeding, coming in. So she went and took a bath. And so I heard her like cussing. So I thought it was just like nothing that serious. So then she, she was stumbling trying to get up. She got out of the bathroom. She was trying to open the door. And then she stumbled back and fell into the tub. And so then I jump up, run again and look. And so it was basically my mother laying in the tub or full of blood and water. Huh. So my grandmother was deaf. So I went. And your grandmother was, was deaf. deaf. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I went. Well, and I, and oh, I, my God. So I started wow. knocking and stomping because that was the, what, what my grandmother got her attention. Like if you stomped. And so she, I woke up. And so oh. then she got me. She came and said, and, and, and then she's like, go get, go, go, go get Nami. It was Naomi. But mm-hmm. we used to call my aunt Nami. She's like, go to Nami and tell him. So then this is like, this might have been like one or two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. or something like so I run to my aunt trailer bamming on the door, bam, 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 bam. I was like, it's my mama, 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 mama. And so, so then a, a cousin of mine who was pregnant at the time, they all came and called the ambulance. And so they took my mother away. And then by this time, the whole neighborhood had hurt. So the whole neighborhood standing out oh in the like God. in the road, like watching. Wow. Yeah. And so then. Wow. That w- then they took my mother away. Then me and my cousin cleaned up the blood uh, and the, from the tub. Yeah, and so then, and uh, I feel like, and I was thinking, I had just graduated fifth grade. Oh, uh, and so it was like two nights after I graduated fifth grade, and then I think that ended up in the newspaper. And so that was sort of like my introduction to like junior high. You know what I mean? So did, did the kids know? Who, did was did that story follow you to school? Was it I mean, big in, I, I mean, don't see. I don't know because like it was like 
during that time, even though my mother was on drugs and mental ill, like it was a it was a movement, and it's not even, I don't, I don't even want to say movement, but a lot of people who were good looking, nice, and responsible had fell prey to the eighties drug academic. So I wasn't the only kid that had a parent. Oh, strung out drugs. on drugs yeah, or, right. you know, some aunt or grandparents were taking care of them. So right. it, what, that part wasn't that unusual. Uh-huh. And by, it was such a small community, people uh-huh. knew how my mother was and so, or what how she used to be and then how... Yeah, they'd known turned, her for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It was a small... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, so that was, and that's something I hadn't really talked, uh, spoke about in interviews. And sometimes when I do written interviews, like I, I, don't, think, I don't think I ever told that story this so, is my first time telling that particular well, story, but we're so, talking about it. So, and because a lot of times I say stuff in interviews, like written interviews, or they record me that they kind of edit out. So that that might have been too much for some people, wow. but that that was it was an experience, and it kind of affected how I just saw life. You know, I just wake up and then my mother's coming in the house. Did that feel like a traumatic, would you call that like a traumatic, like a like kind it, of something? I mean, I can't I think, imagine I mean, I it think would it was, traumatic hearing about it, frankly. I mean, I, I mean. think it was because I think I, you know, like I kind of like I like in junior high school and like sixth grade or seventh grade. I remember I think it probably was sixth grade. I remember getting like close to like 20 something referrals you know like i never got suspended from school but i would sort of push buttons and like do stuff in class and start fights and make you know pick fights you know yeah and although i didn't really like to fight but i remember like i mean i got really i mean i was kind of like cussing mm -hmm. at adults one time and then it was like it's interesting what you just said is that you you feel like you get edited out or that that like other people like that's not like interviews are are kind of you know cleaned up or Mm -hmm. like like that's weird to me that is that bothers me you know that bothers me you know yeah because people like how just how cleaned up everything is i i don't i i mean it it silences people yeah yeah, and it's not just you it silences people but um i want to get a vision of what you're so you were in a really small town yeah, yeah, yeah did yeah. everybody in the town know everybody else yeah 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 because yeah, um my my the, i think it was unincorporated and it's it began with the steel mill and mm-hmm. so my great-grandmother and all these other people moved to the city to work at the steel mill and mm-hmm. the shanties and the houses mm-hmm. it's 1898 and so they went there to work at the steel mill and so they lived in the shanties and then it turned into like an unincorporated neighborhood like till this day they not they don't want city water or anything they kind of like the well water well and, water mm-hmm. wow and so so that's how it began and so wow. mostly everybody's related and the people who weren't related mixed and had kids and so still making everyone connected but they also encouraged us to move away and do other things so Mm -hmm. people usually come back there for like homecoming or like christmas Mm -hmm. thanksgiving Mm -hmm. or if there's some type of community event going Mm -hmm. on so is the church is that like i mean you sang and did a lot in church is that kind of like the center of the town yeah yeah the the church do you have a mall no movie theater no 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 what was your house like describe what your house was like um the house that we lived in with my grandmother was, 
I think they it was this company called Jim Walters, I think, or I, I think they say my grandfather built the home or it was a Jim Walters home and it was close to like a shotgun house, I guess you mm-hmm. would to say when you know when I was with my grandmother and with my mm-hmm. now my aunt and uncle their house was a Jim Walters mm-hmm. home and my grandmother's it was three bedrooms yeah three bedrooms mm-hmm. and whenever someone got into trouble like relatives like a lot of people you know mm-hmm. people were different relatives came there to stay so somebody was having always, how many people live there usually Wow. Um, when I was a small, small kid, I remember my it was my aunt and uncle, me, and my grandmother, and usually like maybe like three cousins. <laughs> so like, like three really or four an ex- cousins, an yeah. Ex- extended, yeah, 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 an extended yeah, yeah, family, and everybody it, living together. Yeah, and it was only it was only a brief time when mm-hmm. it was me and my grandmother there together, but it was very mm-hmm. like short. It was just a house everybody mm-hmm. went, you mm-hmm. know, went kind of went right. to. So, so when that happened with your mother, like, what was? Do you remember how that felt? Like, was it? Did it? When when which when your part? when your mom was you know ill? Did did you feel? Was it scary? Did you feel abandoned? Do you remember? Um, I you know I so I remember as a small small kid because I there I do have memories when I was at my father's house with her because I remember I used to wear my father's t shirts. I remember mm-hmm. I remember just walking around in the house with his t shirt and. They played a trick on me because I didn't want to eat mustard on, I think, a pork chop or a fish or something. <laughs> and then I was like, how did must?" They was like, I was like, how did that mustard get on my thing? And they told me the flies, like the fly flies landed on it. Yeah, it yeah, because I, I think I just looked the way it was doing something else and came back and then it had like mustard or something on it. Because um, I was a picky eater, too. And so then... Um, <laughs> And so I remember that, and so it had to be really small, but I remember being in a place they called Crane Roots where my aunt was dating, you know, this guy. And I remember being, like, in Wildwood, but I always remember crying, you know, like, I remember just crying, like, not wanting to be in some of those places. And so I, I don't know if it was her and my father had, like, on and off again, uh-huh. Relationship. So was, but my cousins say from what they remember, they was like, well, they would live together for a while because we used to go there on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And and so so I I remember that in the beginning. And then I remember like one day I was at my grandmother's and then my mother was living in like these this RV trailer. And I remember going to her house and like just hanging out with her. And it's kind of blurry. And so I remember one of my cousins coming to get me and taking me back to my grandmother. And it was like, well, you live with your grandma. You live with grandma now. And that's where. And how old were you then? I was like probably like four because my sister and I are four and a half years apart. So I was probably four, like going on five. Like I remember being at my grandmother's and then most of my cousins had in elementary school and I had to stay home because. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't old enough to go to school yet. So I remember right. that, like, clearly. And I remember the morning my mama, my mother went into labor with my sister because I was in the RV trailer with her. And so what happened when my sister was born, they gave my, my aunts took legal custody of my sister, and then they put me in my grandmother's care because they felt like my mother couldn't handle two kids. Right, right. And so, but I, I, but I remember, like, 
So I'm not just laying in bed crying at night wanting my mother and father. So I think there was an attachment that had been broken that I had to get used to. Right. So that was really hard. Yeah. 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 And so as, so as I do, and I was always, they said I cried a lot anyway as a baby. So I think I was a sensitive kid. I mean, I know I was a yeah, sensitive yeah, kid. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And they have, yeah. I think there was a couple of baby pictures they had of me and I was like, Cry, you know, crying. You're crying in every single picture. one. Yeah. Uh, it, well, we didn't, we didn't have that. We didn't have that many, but I, but yeah. So it was, and then my and my grandmother had it framed because of me and another cousin crying on our baby pictures. So she basically framed both of them. Oh, I want to give that kid a hug. Yeah. So I love. So I love my grand. I, like, I love my grandmother. And so, but my cousins tell her that they were like, "Well, my grandmother just wanted to take care of me so bad that one day." You, they joke about my mother just mother just walked out the house like you can have him you know because like she your was, grandmother yeah my really? grandmother like really really loved me because my mother she, she I mean I feel like she sometimes I was be with my grandma but she did take me with her your mom yeah my mom did take me with her mm-hmm. some places but then they kind of told us well you can live with your grandmother now and then your mother once she'll get upset. better oh. where well, they all say she'll get better and then you can go like move and live in with her but then as I got older. I kind of understood it because then when my mother would act out, like I could kind of right understand you could see why. why it wouldn't be a good yeah, idea. Yeah, so I never blame my mother, blamed anybody, like no, for anything because yeah, exactly. It's so an I, illness keyword. Key yeah, and and the other moment that changed my life that and people always question this, but I remember my mother. Okay, so as a kid, as a little kid, uh huh, um. I was with my mother at my father's house and then my mother passed out or something. And so I started running and telling the neighbors that my mother was in the house dead. And they were like, no, she probably ain't there. She probably just sleep. I say, no, I'm trying to wake up. And she's like, oh, she won't wake up. She won't wake up. And so I was trying to convince these people that my mother was dead and like, no, you know, but by the, while I was out doing that, this I was in Center Hill when my father's house my father came home and found my mother passed out. And so he told me the story because I remember doing this, but he, he would tell me when, when I was a little bit older mm. that what happened was the gas was accidentally <gasps> left on and my mother had passed out. And he was like, if he would have walked in, in the house and struck a match, like lighting his cigarettes, the oh house would have probably God. blew up. Wow. And so this, and I had, my sister wasn't born yet. So I had to be like three or four, like doing this. And so, so then, but fast forward, to so I so then the other moment that was the defining like defining moment is I think I was in like second or third grade I had to be like in second grade or second grade and I come home from school and then my grandmother hands me a letter and it was basically my mother's suicide letter Oh. And I read it, and so what happened? My mother did overdose, took an overdose to try to kill right. herself, and then my grandmother's sisters or something kicked in, and they took her to the hospital and had a stomach pump. But she mm-hmm. was talking about how much she loved me and my sister, and she was sick and she couldn't mm-hmm. take care of us, and and so I saw in her own words in this letter that she loved us. And then people were like, "Well, your grandmother showed your mother suicide letter," and I was like, "Yeah, because I think my grandmother wanted me to understand." Like my mother loved us, but she she couldn't handle. She just couldn't. She, she couldn't, couldn't. She couldn't function. Yeah, she couldn't function to so, handle. You know, handle us. And so my grandma. So it was like. So then I can kind of like understand. So I didn't feel like I was abandoned. And 
in some in a way that she could control or she could have help. So, so it actually was comforting, is what you're saying? Yeah, and so I never blame my mother because I knew That's she good. loved us and wow. she couldn't. I knew it was something else going on that she couldn't control you know, whenever that happened. You know what's giving but, me know. the chills? What's giving me the chills right now is the way that you're talking about these experiences which sound like really, really difficult. I mean, I'm not going to pretend I can relate to relate to that, you know. Um, and But there's a lot of love that I feel you were brought up with. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. you kind of always <laughs> yeah. felt really, really loved, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, that must have been like a big saving grace in your life. Yep, yep, it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, my father, like anytime I walked into... His house is like he like lit up. Even when I was in high school, like he just got like really excited. Just like my grandmother, like my aunt and uncle, like and other like other family relatives, just always just being supportive. Like I mean, it takes a village, and it really took a village. So you felt like you were me, really yeah. solid. You had a solid extended family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mind you, I was sensitive, and but I. I just knew, yeah. I mean, I knew I had a home. I still know I have a home. So, were you more vulnerable in your bro- than your cousins and stuff? The other kids around you, do you think? Maybe, maybe. But, I would, but not, but not in a way. Did they? I did they just, make fun of you for like, like I'm? I'm yeah, wondering. Yeah, no, I was, no, I'm I wondering would, yeah. if you were like this sweet little kid or like not sweet or whatever, just vulnerable, I, and they picked on you. I did get picked on, actually. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was a softy, and I remember a relative of mine said, like, one summer I grew up because I think I chased one of my kid cousins down <laughs> down the road with a stick or something because they kept <laughs> messing with me. But I was like the sensitive that cried all the time, and well, you would have to push me to fight, and then if I did, I would, you know, you know. I, I would always try to do stuff to like scare uh-huh. them at some point, uh-huh. but yeah, I was the, the the sensitive one and felt like I got picked on. So, with all that stuff going on, did you have a feeling of stability, or did I mean it sounds uh-huh. incredibly unstable to me? That's what uh-huh. I'm wondering about. Like, what I'm wondering about is if there was a feeling of stability because of you know your extended family and the, all the love you had, but but or was it really, it sounds also really crazy, unstable, scary. So yeah, can you um, d- well, talk about that? Yeah, well, I mean, it, some of those experiences, but it's probably the experiences that I'm telling right now, but, you know, like my grandmother, like, that was a house where we all went if someone was falling short in life. Um, I had like aunt and uncles. I mean, I went to church. I sang in the church choir. Um, so you had yeah, community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had community. I had community. Yeah, it, I, I, it was. It doesn't. It and then I got a check from my father every month, right, to help take care of me. And so, like, you know what I mean. So, like, I know I was gonna have like school clothes and, and you know, right, and, and that right, sort of thing. And right. I can go see him, you know, because his illness happened in. And when I was in junior high school, uh-huh. and so that's kind of when it probably felt the most unstable right. in junior right. high school. And then again, I ended up living with my aunt and uncle. But I don't think it was ever un- unstable. Maybe my perception. Well, it's uh, you know so- what I mean. Like I, you know, I just started being a little troublemaker. You know, that was my my way of acting out. But. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they would, like, if I was getting in trouble, my aunt and uncles, they would get on my, they would, like, get on my case as well, so. 
So there was some, uh, there was discipline and boundaries yeah, 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 and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah, 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 wow. yeah, wow. definitely. Well, that, yeah. that, that, that's really important. Yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, like, so yeah. So how, like, so how does somebody with that background of, I mean, you're obviously got the goods, the talent, but how do you wind up in art school? Um, I basically, you know, started college, you know, wanting to do mass communications. And what did you think you wanted to do? You well, wanted know, to go to college. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. My mother always told me she she wanted me to go to college. And when I graduated high school, my mother, the insurance lady said, we have some money for you. My mother actually took out an insurance policy policy saying if I went to college, I would get a thousand dollars. An insurance company gave me a thousand dollars. So somewhere in that craziness, like that window, like I had a thousand dollars waiting on me if I it's went to college. Impressive. And that was my mother. Yeah. So like somewhere wow. in all of that, she wow. knew something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, and that, so that gave me wow. comfort too. And she, yeah, she was locked away. And That's she, and crazy. Then, yeah. And wow. so yeah. So I yeah, so then I was in college in mass communications. I was I remember Actually, one guy said like he think I was gonna be famous because I was like singing, like yeah, I, I and was your doing talent, like, yeah, yeah, so much talent. And then, but it was somebody else said they thought my delivery of a a, a monologue or something was too feminine or whatever. And wow. so I thought like I wanted to do more. So theater, you had to be just completely after like the second year, you had to only been that program, and then my counselor say, well, go over to the art department because like they have film classes over there. Just go talk to them. And they were like, well, if you want to do Hollywood, you should go to Florida state or like mm-hmm. full sale. Mm-hmm. But here's like more art films. And I was like, okay, well, if I get to make stuff, I'll stay here. And so it, that's how I end up in the art department doing for film for film. And then it was painters and photographers mm-hmm. and, and all these other influences around me. Mm-hmm. And then I was encouraged by the time I got to graduate school to take, classes that would influence the work and so i was in africa took africana studies mm-hmm. um screenwriting did you take but, um drawing and painting and all that i took that? A, i took a drawing and movement class mm-hmm. but i skipped painting mm-hmm. and, but then i right. ended up painting it was kind of crazy how that happens um so that was like yeah like a drawing yeah, movement class but just yeah. kind of like general all the different kinds of things that you can do with art, which you incorporate all of them. So, yeah, yeah. And so but they encourage us to be interdisciplinary uh-huh. at, at right. USF. Interdi- right. Inter- and so I got my undergraduate and graduate degree from the same school. Yeah. So um, what we were talking about later, earlier, I mean, I wanted to hear about the story about how you uh, wound up at Skowhegan because so like, okay, listeners, I'm talking to you guys. So like the thing is, so here's this guy you're, you're getting a picture about Lindsay. He's from this background, you know, he's studying art and not, not at like, you know, not at, um, you know, Yale or something at, you know, college in, in Florida. And then all of a sudden he winds up at Skowhegan, which if you don't know, it's a very like hoity toity kind of a postgraduate, but for really, really made, it's really major big deal to go there. So can so tell us how you got in and what happened when you got there. I'm very curious. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm with pretty, all those snobs. Yes, I was pretty much well, I was rich pretty, snobs. <laughs> so I was pretty much standing um, 
in the like hallway, look like looking at the bill bulletin. Um, I worked in the office as a graduate assistant. So my mentor, who I was working with and for, I was standing there looking at the bulletin, like looking at this pamphlet, and she was like, "Oh, you should apply to that." So like I looked there and I was like, "Well." I don't think I want to go to the woods for nine weeks. Scal- I mean, Higgins, yeah, I was like, which I'm, is in the woods. Yeah, in Maine. And so I was like, I'm from Stucky, a small rural town, I, and I don't see how that would be. Yeah, right. Like, I, I don't know. want to go back to that. <laughs> so, yeah, so I applied. And then I got in like a full scholarship. Um, the, the school ended up paying half of it, and Scal Higgins paid wow. half. Yeah. And then I was like the third person, I think. What were your expectations? What did, did you school? third person from your school. I, I, didn't yeah. know, I didn't know what to expect, but I remember like getting there and kind of, you know, like almost fall and getting really comfortable because I was from the woods. Like there were people from New York. Oh yeah. That couldn't deal with, couldn't deal with. with and I was nature. like, well, I'm from the country. Yeah. And it was, it's so, I mean, I, and then I met, um, Whitfield Lavelle, Fred Wilson, um, Jeff oh, wow. Hendricks, um, wow. Tanya Bruguer. Tanya Bruguera, they were all faculty. Rob Store, and they all became like wow. big supporters of my work. Wow. But, and yet, a lot of my friends was like Yale, Columbia, Harvard, and I was like, oh, you know. What did you think? What did you think? Did you relate to what kind of backgrounds I had, or how did you process all that? Um, I don't know if, I don't, like, I, from what I remember, I felt like just like this country kid who, like, had this, like, raw talent that people, supported and was interested in um, my school said they felt like I had a voice that they hadn't heard before. Right. Right. And so I think that's, so they all befriended me, but I do, you know, started thinking like, Oh gosh, a lot of these people from Ivy leagues. And then it wasn't until I taught at Harvard that I really, that I really felt like I was a part of the Ivy league community. I always felt like I was kind of the one that broke, you know, one of the few that breaks, Really, right. just because of people, different people backgrounds, and right. then learn a lot of artists that are famous. You know, even if they're of color or you know, mm-hmm. or not, come from like somewhat privileged backgrounds. But upbringing. like, what about like when their you know families came to visit and dropped them off in their fancy cars and stuff? Like, did you ever go to any of their houses and stuff? Um, when I moved to New York, but like, um, I don't think people dropped them off in fancy cars. Um, it was you know like I. Were you aware? That- I mean, they let me sleep when I first moved to New York. They let me sleep on their couches. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So like, so no, yeah. And also, I yeah. mean, um, the um, you know the passion or community that we that uh, people bond over the work and the commitment yeah. to the work, and that can really transcend a lot of stuff. But I felt like I had to work really hard because I didn't have that thing to fall back on or that comfort. You know, like. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I was going to have to make a living for myself because I, I mean, I didn't have a trust fund. I, and right. I don't want to put that in a negative thing, but like, like some of my friends, they did have trust funds. Sure. Like, what about like the clothes and stuff? Did you, were they like, I mean, I'm, I'm projecting, this is all my counter-transference folks. What do you mean like clothes? You know what I mean? Like I imagine, well, I got made fun of in high school because I didn't have the right clothes, you know, like. No, because no, like I. Like, I, my, I remember my elementary teachers telling me, like, later on in life that my grandmother dressed me up all the time. You know what I mean? So it was like, it might have been not the most expensive clothes, but, and then my mom, they say I got my fashion flair from my mom because she 
right, some right, fashion right. Friends. So and fast. so and, and then my aunt in high school, we used to shop at thrift stores like for clothes because I she she just went there to get stuff and then I got into it and I would have thrift fashions on in high school and all the way through college and I dressed all of my characters. So fashion so, is something that yeah. is really part of of who you are. Yeah, so, and so you, and really, you probably looked better. Well, that probably actually I, helped you a lot. And then because, I just, yeah, and I understood like how have I projected what I had on gave it its worth. Right, <laughs> right, right. So, so it could we're, be thrift store or so we're basically finding out that you were way more sophisticated than people from those backgrounds. <laughs> that's what I think, oh, anyway. Lord. That's my that's my take on it, folks. Um, so that must have been a big life changing experience. Then. Oh, it was, Scout yeah. Hagen. And then I thought I couldn't live with my out my family. Well, actually, when we went to Paris for like a month, and then been in Skowhegan for nine weeks, and so. In 2003, I moved to New York. Oh wow! And a lot, of, and it was 50, the demographic that year was 50 percent New York and 50 percent everywhere else. And so they helped me when I was in New so York. So your fan, so they they became kind of like your family almost. They yeah, helped yeah, you yeah, out. yeah. So what was um? What did you you just said something about your family though that you um didn't think you could live without your family? Because I was I was just so close. Oh, you to, really feel yeah. a really close. Yeah, and I way. actually, and I, with a friend, with a friend of mine, we started like a festival, like when the town turned one hundred in the nineties. Wow! And yeah, I just didn't. I just since yeah, I was it was crazy. I, I'm thinking back now, it was crazy. I thought that way, but I really thought I was gonna have to just stay around them because it just was a comfort, you know. Wow! And then. Yeah, when I started having these experiences going away, then I thought like, oh. Did you get to travel much when you were living in, in Stuckey? I mean, did you get out of the town a lot? You probably didn't. What do you, what do you mean? like? Well, like, I mean, did your family go on car trips and stuff like that? Or Oh, we have family reunions, yeah. Yeah, but family I mean, reunions, like, like maybe maybe part of what your fear was was that like you But didn't we still all enough. together like on a bus. Oh, like on a, a bus. an event, you know, like yeah. a family reunion. Yeah. Like you went to Fort Lauderdale or oh. New York, and but we was, uh, everybody was on the bus together. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. So, like, will your will there be any family members say like at your opening tonight? No, because no, they're all no. Because yeah, they're all distant in relatives in New York. Yeah, no, I have distance relatives in New uh-huh. York, but I'm they're not that. So, you know, what's your relationship huh? with your family like now? Do you go back often mm-hmm. or? Yeah, I was just there sometime over the summer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was there over the mm-hmm. summer. Then I'll probably be there some days during the holidays. Mm-hmm. And, and what, we're how, all on Facebook, so it's so you're in touch with yeah, all yeah. them. How do how do they um, how do they process your art career? I think I mean when I was on General Hospital, they threw like a big party and they're oh. like, "Oh, we thank your um, great grandmother forgive you for being on an ABC soap and on a CBS soap." <laughs> So, uh, so that so, must have, where were you at? Were you in Stucky, Stucky when it yeah, aired? Yeah, when it the, aired, yeah, like the Orlando oh. Sentinel um, ran like they came and took pictures of that day, and then they ran like three articles. For for those it. of you who don't know, James Franco um, uh, met met Caleb, and he got him a role with him. They were both on General Hospital together, and 
Caleb sings this great song and um, you should go look it up. I have, you know, look it up, folks. It's on the Facebook page that I posted. Um, so did you go down there? You went to Stucky and you're with your whole family. Yeah, 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 what was yeah. that like? That must have been awesome. It was yeah, it was crazy. Like, because, um, you know, you don't see the show until it airs. And so, yeah, they threw a party and had a cake and then we all watched it and then... You know, the first episode that I was, the first full episode. And yeah, the the newspaper were there and we just had a party and it was just was fun. It really and fu- was it really cool to like feel like. Oh my you- gosh. Like it was, it, I mean, I felt like I was floating that whole summer. Like it was Aww. the most surreal because I made these art soap operas, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I ended up on a real daytime soap opera and it was like the real dream come true. And then not even saying that in the cliche way. No, and I just no, thought yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, and then now I reflect on like, oh my gosh, like I totally attracted that into my life because oh, I was yeah. so what was passionate the, and just, so, that was just such a who I wanted to be and the, what I wanted to do. Yeah. They must've been like, were they real excited to have you there? Yes. Oh my I you mean, the soap opera people or my the, friends? The soap opera oh, yeah. people. Well, yeah, the, yeah, and um, the executive producer told me she was glad they were nice to me because they're not always nice. Oh, to, really? Yeah, to like, you know. <laughs> well, to, it's a hard yeah, job, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So was it, was it like anything like you imagined? Or you probably know knew a lot about no, it. No, it was, it was surreal being on the other side of it because then you, you, you know, you saw the storylines and yeah, it was, you know, some things where, you know, storylines can be more inclu- inclusive but you also saw like all these people employed you know in front of screen and back behind the scenes and it was all these mouths to feed that was the, like you know that was oh, like yeah. their job and so you saw but then it was a machine so you just saw i saw different aspects of it that it was actual people livelihoods right well. and it was counseling uh, counseling a lot of soap operas so it was people nervous about their if job. General Hospital was going to get canceled next, and what would they wow. have to do? Because it was only like four left on the air, and so wow. it was that whole thing going on. What did you think yeah. of the actors? Like, what was that like watching people act in those soap operas? It was, you know, it, I was kind of starstruck, but you know, like we really did. You know, like who did you know some, all yeah, the storyline and all, the whole thing? I or? didn't know all the storylines of General Hospital, but I definitely knew the actors because oh, they would wow. change soap operas. And when you get the Soap Opera Digest, even if oh. you're reading up on your favorite soap, they will have the others, you know, other right. people. So we got like five minutes left. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, well, five okay. minutes. So um, so they would. So I knew that from like Soap Opera Digest. And, <laughs> the, and it was like the Luke and Laura and all of that for General Hospital. But I actually watched God in Light. And so I think one of the actresses, she used to be on God in Light. And uh-huh. but, but was it fun watching them act? Did it, was it? Was it like you imagined it to be the way they acted or? Um, well, we went really quick. So we get like three takes at the most right, you know, or right. maybe a fourth take. And my gosh, I felt like I was in this big Hollywood studio. Big studio yeah. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I was just like starstruck. Like, uh-huh. oh, my gosh, I couldn't believe I was here and just like, but felt at home. Yeah, I'm sure there like, was James like Franco. Like, I mean, I know you guys, I mean, he's a fan of yours and he, I know you guys know each other well, but was he like really supportive? I imagine yeah, yeah. like he made sure you felt comfortable to yeah, look yeah, out yeah. for you kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. that yeah. was funny. I was watching that. It's a funny character. Yes. So yeah, we only have four minutes okay, left. I so, want to make sure we get to this last yeah, song, yeah, 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 yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
so tell I wanted I wanted Girl, okay, I, tell I, us I about put, the song. I put a spell on you. It's a cover of Jay Screaming Hawkins. It's gonna be in As Art World Might Turns, the video as well. And it's a part of a larger project called Paula Songstrong Legend Recordings. And Paula Songstrong is a new character I created that is from the Midwest. Oh. And you will find her storyline in season three of As Art World Might Turns. And so She's an actress, an entertainer, and so on her Legends project, this is going to be one of the songs that she covered. And there'll be two original songs on the project as well. And when is, is that a project? Next year, 2020, but the single will be out tonight at midnight. Out at midnight. We're yeah. having a launch here, guys. We're <laughs> having a launch. And when, and so the whole series I, will be. Um, It'll be, the series will be online in December, but in it's going to be, it's, but it's, it's going to be. At Sean Horton's tonight. The one song, uh, this is the video for this song. Yeah. Okay, so don't forget about Sean Horton Presents Gallery, 985 Madison Avenue opens tonight and it's up for a month or so, I yeah, guess, yeah. right? Okay, here we go. I put a spell on you. Stop the things you do 